0: not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580.
1: And it's time to think our L.A. Unified School District seats through. Uh, we are going deep on District 1, which is where many of your African-American and Latino um, voters live. Um, and it has become quite a hotly contested contest. So we are going to hear from as many of those candidates as make themselves available. Joining us right now, um, a lifelong Democrat who spent the last 27 years in public service. Uh, She's an educator. She's got a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's degree in education, concentration in counseling, and an an uh, EDD in educational leadership for social justice. Dr. Didi Watts, good morning.
0: Good morning. How are you, Dominique?
1: I'm blessed. How are you doing? I am
0: doing well and blessed as
1: well. So, uh, big shoes to fill, right? George McKenna is legendary in the education world, and that's the seat you are striving for. Um, you've been a teacher. You've been a school psychologist. Why? Uh, and, and you currently work for a school board member, uh Tanya Ortiz-Franklin, why this, the uh, move to the school board? Well, really, because
0: I have a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, and I want her to be able to attend her neighborhood school and get a great education, and all of the students who are in the class of, like, 2043 with her. Um, I had to leave my neighborhood and be bused out of the neighborhood to get a great education, and I had to do... Similar things for my children. Um, And so now, over my past 27 years, I've had a chance to work in the various roles, teachers, school psychologists, principals, special ed administrator, um, and nonprofit leader, and I have seen across traditional district and charter and private schools, because I worked in them, And my children attended a mix of those schools. So bringing all of that perspective in, I believe that I can be a voice on the school board where we can think openly about how do we better support our students to make sure that they're able to thrive in their neighborhood schools.
1: And there are big disparities across LAUSD from district to district, neighborhood to neighborhood, and the quality of what we're getting. How can you make that more than just a campaign slogan?
0: Yeah, it's really about... Looking at our resources, the role of a, a board member is very clear, right? The, the board sets policy, revises policy, passes the budget, and LA Unified has a huge $18 billion budget, um, supervising and evaluating the superintendent, including hiring and firing, um, and authorizing or not authorizing charter schools. And, and, you know, those are the huge roles. And so really thinking about where are we placing our resources? If we say that we are a district that's committed to equity, then our money needs to follow that investment, right? Knowing that there is disparity across uh, the district, in terms of our communities, making sure that the students who have been historically underserved, our black and brown youth, are recipients of the services and supports, meaning the funding that we have needs to go to those schools so that we can improve those schools. And that means that not every school is going to get the same amount of money. It means giving to those who need it now and Maybe that looks different in a different board district. Maybe BD four doesn't need as much of the funding that BD one needs. And um, so we have to be having those conversations.
1: Sounds like a fight. I mean, it's it, it supposedly we have that now, right? We we allocate according to uh, equity.
0: Well, I mean. We have the student equity needs index, but I think we need to go even deeper into that to say, okay, if we have schools that have single digit proficiency, we have to be willing to do something different about that. If what we have been doing isn't working, then we have to be willing to engage in those kinds of conversations. And that's where your board members are really important to be at the table, having those hard conversations with their colleagues across the district to say, hey, it doesn't make sense for us to continue to do this. We need to put a further investment in this area to make sure that we're having all of our students rise and not just some.
1: Um, When you look at, uh, you know, when you look at um, where we are right now in, in our LAUSD, one of the big, big controversies is charter schools and the new uh, policy around whether or not charters will share campuses with traditional uh, schools because, of course, charters are public schools, quite as it's kept. Where are you on that? Oh, I absolutely believe that
0: our charter school students are public school students, right? And we have to serve all of our students And the the issue has been an adult issue, right? Adults fighting over whether or not students should be co-located on the same campus. As adults, we're supposed to be modeling for our students. We should be teaching them how we collaborate. We can work together. We have seen examples of great co-locations that are occurring here in BD1 and across the district. We've seen problematic ones, too, though, haven't we? We have seen some some problematic ones, and what we have to be able to do is have those conversations, be willing to say, okay, this isn't working, and why isn't this working? This should not be an issue about taking resources From students, it should be about how can we work together to make sure all of our students get the resources they need to thrive. We're literally saying these are students who live in the same community, may go to the same church, live on the same block, but when they get on school campuses, they have to be separated, and we can't give you know one set of students resources. But I mean, to be clear,
1: charter schools are are public schools, but they're also non-union. They they don't have the same kind of uh, they they have more freedom, which means they don't always have the same requirements. And in some cases, they're taking kids off of, uh, you know, out of other schools and cherry picking. So there are some issues. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's just as simple as saying, you know, they're all the same kids that go to this, that live in the same neighborhoods, because there are structures that we as adults put in place or don't put in place to care for those children.
0: Yeah, but the vast majority of our students are coming from our community, right? So at the start of the charter school movement, yes, maybe there were challenges in that way, but having been a charter school principal, I, my students came from the community in which we served and my school was on 51st in Vermont. And that's where my students came from within a three mile radius, right? And so we weren't cherry picking. My school was a school that had about 15% students with special needs. So when you when you think about it, if we just sit and think rationally about the, the parents who want to make sure their kids are getting a great education, parents aren't focused on is this a charter or is, it, is this a traditional district school? Their question is, is this a good school and is my child going to thrive?
1: Right, and is my child safe, of course. What yes. What is your number one priority <clears throat> for the kids in District 1 right now?
0: Making sure that our um, academic, our um, students are achieving academically. But in order to do that, we have to tend to their social, emotional, and mental health needs, right? We need to make sure that coming out of COVID, and truth be told, we know that before COVID, students were struggling. But we have seen it ex- exacerbated. So how are we going to support the social emotional and mental health needs of our students in order for them to be able to thrive academically.
1: Yeah. Ha- have we that, done enough? I mean, have we done enough to, I know we were struggling before, but as a, as a mom who went through COVID with a kid, um, I do you think what should be done to get us back socially, emotionally, and even academically back?
0: I think we have to be really earnestly thinking about how are we using the the minutes that we have throughout the day some schools are providing an advisory course or advisory class for students and they're focusing in on the social emotional development of students. We know that um, our black student achievement schools many of those schools have psychiatric social workers in fact, my daughter works as a psychiatric social worker in one of those schools, and so we see that the students are getting the additional support but The reality is there aren't enough people to fill those positions, and so we have to be working with community partners that are doing the work to bring them in and make sure that we're able to support all of the needs of the students.
1: Dr. Dee Dee Watts is running for LA Unified School District um, 1. Give us your elevator pitch. One minute, why we should vote for you. As a 27-year
0: educator working across multiple roles in the district and across the education sector, wanting to make sure that my granddaughter and all the students in the class of 2043 can attend their neighborhood school and get a great education. I bring a perspective to the board that no other candidate brings. I'm already engaged in the work as a chief of staff, writing policy, providing budget recommendations. And so if I am the person who's most qualified for the role, I hope that when you check the box, you will check it for Dr. Dee Dee Watts.
1: Okay, tell us how to find out more about you and how to follow you. You can
0: follow me on all social media at D-I-D-I-4-L-A-U-S-D. That's on all social media platforms. And my website is D-I-D-I-W-A-T-T-S, the number four, schoolboard.com.
1: Well, thank you so much for uh, checking in with us this morning and letting us know all about your candidacy.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: We are learning. We are getting it together for this election. We are your election information station. Don't forget to go to KBLA1580.com and you can hear any conversations you missed. In fact, this one is available right now on YouTube, but uh, will be available shortly on KBLA1580.com. More straight ahead, only right here.
0: More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. right now.
1: Right now. So you hear me talking about this groundbreaking survey that KBLA1580 has done, and it is available to you right now on KBLA1580.com if you want to follow along. This is a survey of what likely voters, black voters in LA County, think about the climate emergency. And you've heard me talking about this for years, right? Even before I came to KBLA, because while I know that for me, you know, ending anti-blackness, ending racism, uh, reparations, uh, education, particularly literacy among our children there are many issues that are very important to me but i believe that climate justice is really the bottom line because without a habitable planet none of these other issues mean anything at least not to our children and and grandchildren and the reason why i say that because i've been i've been watching these trends And what our survey shows, it shows that we are paying attention and we get it. Uh, Whether or not, you know, we see the full picture, I don't know that anybody does. But at least we're on the curve, right? Um, Scientists now are doing something called climate modeling, where you can look at where things are going, where we're headed as a planet, as a society, if we do not take extreme measures for change. So the modeling that was done in 2020 showed that within 50 years, 30% of the world's population will be living in places where the average temperature, average temperature is around 85 degrees. That's, um, average, which means some days are going to be a lot hotter and some will be uh, not as hot, but that's really, really hot. It's much hotter than where we are now. Right now, only 1% of planet Earth is that hot. And we're talking about uninhabited parts of the Sahara Desert. Sahara Desert. And that's dramatic. We, Our children are tapped into the fact that, you know, there are a lot of predictions coming from scientists that if we do not clean up our act within seven to eight years, we could get to that tipping point where there is no turning it around, or it will be so difficult to turn it around that it is highly unlikely. We are not at the point of no return yet, though. We have plenty of time and we have the technology to fix this. Do we have the will? That is the question. And I feel like this is part of why the survey that we've done is so important. We have to have the will and we're going to have to push our lawmakers and policymakers in that direction. And I think our survey shows that we know this, and I'll tell you why when we come forward. We're listening to KBLA Talk 1580.
0: KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come, we forward, come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. 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 children. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here.
1: And we're glad you are here. 809 um, 20 if you want to weigh in. So what I was talking about is the fact that, according to our survey, a large number, in fact, a significant majority of black voters believe that uh, the, that these are serious problems, right? We're at... Um, 69% extremely are very serious and 19% say somewhat serious, but the majority of us do not think that LA County is going in the right direction. 47%. Well, okay. It's not quite a majority, but it's the majority It's a plurality here. 47% say we're going in the wrong direction when it comes to, uh, this issue. 47%. 20% 20% don't know, and 32% say we're going in the right direction. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think the way this question is stated, it says, do you feel things in Los Angeles County generally are going in the right direction or the wrong direction? It's in the context of a climate justice conversation. But I I know that we're reacting to the things that are most emotionally um, resonant for us, which is usually houselessness, crime, right? And affordability. Those are the issues that touch us day in, day out, day in, day out. But when it comes to the climate emergency, I think some of it has to do with um, us not being as familiar with the initiatives that are starting to take place, particularly um, in the, uh, the City Hall in LA and also in the Department of Water and Power. Some of the um, initiatives being taken um, move forward by Metro. But again, here you see a big disparity between um, party affiliation with 82% of Republicans saying LA County is going in the wrong direction and just 43% of Democrats saying that. Um, no party preferences at 53%. And men and women are pretty evenly split on this. Um, 47, 46, men and women pretty much evenly split on whether or not we're going in the wrong direction. Younger people under 45, more likely to believe that LA County is going in the wrong direction. 56%. To me, that tracks because you see younger people not only evaluating their lives based on the climate emergency, but also younger people becoming more disillusioned uh, with mainstream Democratic Party politics and looking for a more progressive edge, a more bold kind of uh, initiative uh, in, in the climate crisis and across the board, whether it comes to foreign policy, whether it has to do with reparations, what my experience, now I'm just talking about my empirical uh, contact as a radio host and activist with people. I find that younger people are impatient about change. They are not willing to wait. They want reparations now. They want us to address this climate emergency now, and they're tired of corporate politics. Uh, And I think it's time for us to take heed to that call. Talking uh, school board, District 1, once again when we come forward after new traffic and sports on KVLA Talk 15.